The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Serve Hour. Insightful, provocative, opinion-shaping conversations that matter. Your host is Jim Blackburn. During this broadcast, you'll hear from guests who are taking uniquely different approaches to life and their work environment, and you are invited to take part in the conversation. Now, here is Jim Blackburn. It's that time again. Welcome to the Serve Hour and a conversation that matters. Wherever you are and however you are listening, thank you for making us part of your day. Our topic of conversation today the void of leadership in business due to the lack of understanding of the differences between leading and managing. Is this problematic? You bet it is. This lack of understanding of the differences between leading and managing causes people with leadership responsibilities to unknowingly restrict the growth of the people who work for them, unknowingly sabotage the sustainable growth of the organizations they serve, and unknowingly contribute to their own struggles. I'm Jim Blackburn, your host for today's conversation. And before we jump into our conversational topic, I want to make sure that you know that I want to hear from you about your experiences, your thoughts, and your questions about today's topic. So if you're listening live, you can reach me by phone at 866 866- Four seven two five seven nine zero. That's eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. Or you can email me at j blackburn at serve partners, and that's s u r v e partners dot com. If you're listening to our podcast, please feel free to email me at j blackburn at serve partners dot com. Let's begin today's conversation addressing the leadership void that exists in business. I believe this is primarily due to business management not keeping up with the changing dynamics of today's workforce, which over the past hundred years has gone from 15% to 85% knowledge workers. The result is people with leadership responsibilities relating to today's knowledge workers and these are employees involved with handling and or using information, who think for a living, and by the way, who can't be managed. People relating to them the same way they related to yesterday's workers who were primarily doing manual labor, who followed directions, and who did this, and who did as they were told. The result today People with leadership responsibilities are literally sabotaging the growth of their organizations, and they are undermining the growth of their people. Now, what does this look like? First of all, let's take a look at the symptoms within an organization. 
you can usually see this is happening with low morale, retention issues, high turnover of their best people, poor quality of work, absenteeism, disrespect within the culture, excuses, blame, and more. Let me share a real-life example of how this plays out. Let me take you a few years back to an international consulting firm, an accounting firm in Chicago, where I was asked to meet with and interview a senior manager in the firm. She made the request, and before I met with her to do some background, I went to the partner managing her practice, and I asked him to tell me about her. And here's what I heard. She's on a fast track. She's one of the best and brightest we have. She's outperforming all her peers. She will probably become a partner in half the time that it normally takes. We think the world of her, she's a superstar. That's what I heard from him. I went to meet with her. Her name is Sarah. And when I came into the meeting room where she was sitting, I saw a woman sitting there that had literally no energy as she looked at me. Her face was empty. And I sat down, and after a brief discussion, I asked her, I said, so why are we meeting? And she said, I asked to meet with you, Jim, because I am so frustrated and so just I have no answers from what I'm running into here in, in the workplace. And her, her eyes started to tear up. I said, tell me more. And she said, Jim, I'm putting in 12 to 15-hour days, five days a week. I'm here first thing in the morning, and I'm here until 8 or 9 o'clock at night. My staff come in around 8.30. They take a full hour for their lunch, and they leave every day at 5. And she says, this is just, it totally frustrates me. I don't know what to do. And I said, so tell me about your staff. How's their work? She said, the quality's pretty good. I said, are they getting their work done? She said, yeah. I said, so what's the problem? She said, they need to put in more time if they want to succeed here. That was the first indication to me that there was an issue with her belief system. She was describing work as time. And her belief, and to that point, she had been recognized as a hard worker. She had been rewarded for that. So I said to her, so what are your people responsible for? And she said, what do you mean? And I said, just exactly what I asked. What are they responsible for? And she said, doing the work that I asked them to do. And I said, well, are they doing it? And she said, yeah. And I said, so what am I missing here? And she said, they should be looking for more things to do. And I said, okay, I see. So I left that meeting, and I went then to meet with her staff. And I, as I interviewed each of them, one by one, here's what I heard. I'm bored. I'm frustrated. This is not what I signed up for. My boss doesn't really care about me. I'm thinking about finding another job. I'm not happy here. Now, 
in my experience over the past 20 years, that's a pretty typical situation. So what needs to change here? Well, Sarah does not need more stuff to do. Sarah does not need to go off to a leadership off-site. She doesn't need to go to a workshop. She doesn't need to be reading more books about leadership. She doesn't need to be trained. She is one of the best and brightest. What we need to think about for Sarah is what we refer to as a top-down, inside-out overhaul of her thinking, her beliefs, and ultimately her behavior relative to her professional life. First, let's clarify her responsibilities as a leader. Is she primarily responsible for getting a lot of work done? I believe that's her current belief, and she's been recognized and rewarded for that belief. The question is, is it working for her? And obviously, I think you'll agree with me, the answer is no. So that belief needs to change. And what I suggested to her is that she change her belief to being primarily responsible for growing her people. Her response to that was, what do you mean? And I said, growing your people, having them go beyond their familiar, having them experiencing different things, relating to new things, having them take responsibility. It's more than just getting work done. So we discussed that for a little bit, and then we went to the second thing. I said, Sarah, we need to have you change what you focus on. And what, what I want you to hear here is what a person focus on grows and it occupies their thinking. It's where they spend their time. And my assessment of Sarah was that she was focused on work, results, measurements, and outcomes. Is there anything wrong with that? No, as long as that's working for you. And it wasn't working for Sarah. So I said, Sarah... Why don't we change your focus to people, beliefs, behaviors, and relationships while you pay attention to work? And again, she said, Jim, I don't understand what you mean. And I said, well, let me ask you this. Are your people here to do things, to do the work that you assign, or are they here to accomplish and produce? She said, they're here to accomplish and produce. I said, then what we need to do is have them taking responsibility for doing those things as opposed to following directions, which is what you're actually having them do now. This is pretty scary for Sarah. Maury Sheckman touched on this last week when he talked about the consequences of success. Sarah got where she is because she's a problem solver. Sarah's identity is hard worker. Sarah's from a Midwest town in Iowa. Sarah's working for a major international accounting firm in downtown Chicago. Back home, she's also viewed as a superstar. But behind all this is Sarah struggling, 
frustrated, and quite frankly, living a professional life that is not sustainable. The final change that I recommended to Sarah was how she relates to her people and how she defines work. We talked about her caretaking her people, and we define caretaking as doing for others what they need to be doing for themselves. And in the long run, it causes the people being caretaken to resent you, which is what was happening with her employees. We were talking about how to delegate responsibilities, how to develop a demeanor that promotes the value and potential of the other person so that they feel empowered and they also have the courage to go beyond what they know. Again, for Sarah, this was totally unfamiliar territory, very scary stuff for her because the, the, the most of her career was all intellectual, living in her head, accomplishing, scoring high marks, and getting kudos for being the superstar that she wanted to be. So the idea here is we have Sarah, who is responsible for a group of I would say second-year, third-year staff people, who, by the way, were the best and brightest in their college classes as they came out, not understanding the difference between leading and managing. And think about the person that Sarah works for, who is recognizing her as a superstar while, at the same time, observing her literally self-destructing. Not a pretty picture, but this is very, very typical in my travels around corporate America. The idea here again, Sarah is undermining the growth of her people. She is sabotaging the growth of the firm, and she is contributing to her own struggles. Now, let me give you another example. Working with the CFO of a company who was complaining to me about the controller. And I said, what's the problem? And he said, his work at best is marginal. And I said, tell me more. And he said, well, an example would be the reports that I expect. He has reports due to me every Friday. And when I get these reports, it's typically at the end of the day Friday. He leaves and goes home. I look at the reports and find them full of errors. And I said, so what do you do? He says, I spend my weekend cleaning the reports up. So I asked him, I said, tell me, are you paying your people to do stuff or to produce stuff? And he said, I don't know the difference. And I said, obviously. I said, your controller is actually doing stuff and actually pulling you into a situation where, quite frankly, you enjoy it. He says, I, I, I don't get you. I said, you're good at that sort of thing, aren't you? Yeah. You were so good at it, you got promoted, right? He said, yeah. And I said, what's happening is that you are falling back into your old way of being, i.e., managing, 
You're doing the controller's work for him, and you're becoming a victim. When, in fact, he needs to be responsible for having reports to you as scheduled accurately. And he says to me, I don't know if he can do that. (laughs) And I said, so why is he working for you? And he said, because he's been here for a long time. Everybody likes him. He's a good guy, et cetera, et cetera. Now, what I'm addressing here, which is part of leading versus managing, is the ability to embrace conflict and the ability to hold people accountable and the ability to be able to discern who's a good fit and who isn't for the organization that you're leading. Now, we're coming up to a break. I want to remind you, this is the Serve Hour, and you're in conversation on the Voice America Business Channel. I'm Jim Blackburn, and we're discussing the personal and organizational consequences of the void of leadership in business. And I want you to understand that If you have thoughts on this, if you have questions about what I just said, if you want to share your point of view, please call us. The number is 866-472-5790. Now, when we come back, I will be continuing our conversation about this topic, and I will then be focusing on you. I'm going to help you see if you're an effective leader. So stay with us. We'll, I'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Would you like to have a personal conversation with Jim Blackburn, the host of the Serve Hour? He's available and is interested in hearing from you. And what might you expect when you visit with Jim? These are some of the things that people are saying. Jim, over the course of an hour, taught me about self-awareness and my personal blind spots. This was a very simple concept that I probably have heard many times before, but never with the detail and the explanation of how it would impact my business and relationships. This started a 10-year relationship that I value tremendously. Jim helped me see the difference between multitasking things and multitasking people. Being fully present with other people creates immeasurable value in those relationships. If you or someone you know would benefit by having a conversation with Jim, he can be reached by email at jblackburn at servepartners.com. That's S-U-R-V-E partners.com. Or by phone at 919-969-2522. Jim will respond to you as soon as possible and looks forward to hearing from you. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive. They shake up your status quo, get your thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow, and move you in new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time for our special series on The Digital World. Learn how to be the savvy leader who looks ahead to the next wave of business innovation 
Digital World with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is the Serve Hour. We know you have something to say, so take part in our conversation today. Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to jblackburn at servepartners.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to our conversation about the void of leadership in business and beyond. I'm I'm Jim Blackburn, your host, and I want to remind you, as our voice just reminded you, that we're interested in hearing your thoughts and questions about today's topic. So you can reach me at 866-472-5790. Okay, before we took our break, I mentioned I would be discussing your effectiveness as a leader. Are you an impactful and effective leader? And if you're not in a leadership position, then think about the person who you work for or some of the people who you've worked for in the past. Here are some questions that will help you determine the answer about the effectiveness of you as a leader. And think about Sarah as I ask these questions. Question one. Are the people who work for you responsible for doing tasks, or are they responsible for producing results? What's the difference, you ask? Think about the example I gave of the CFO and the controller, and think about Sarah's response to me when she said her people were responsible for doing what she told them to do. When you're assigning people tasks, you're literally caretaking them. And caretaking is a form of doing for others what they need to be doing for themselves and are capable of doing for themselves. Today's knowledge workers need to be making decisions. They need to be thinking. They need to have choices. The caretaking then leads to a sense of feeling demeaned and devalued, and boredom sets in. And the bottom line there, and we talked about this in an earlier episode of the Serve Hour, is you're not promoting the value and potential of your people. So the answer to this would be what we call clear roles and responsibility statements. These are not job descriptions. A role responsibility statement says something like this. I am responsible for creating blank that contributes to blank by providing blank. And what we do is have the person responsible for leading fill in those blanks and hand it to the people that work for them and say, can you do this? And the rest of that statement, the employee fills out. More on that later. Question two, when your staff or one of your staff comes to you with a problem, do you focus on the problem or on the person? 
Now, be truthful here. You got promoted because you're a problem solver. You got where you are because you're smart. You know how to solve problems. You also are probably working in an environment where everything is urgent. So you really think that you don't have time to get into any kind of an exchange here with the person that brings the problem. An effective leader is focused on that person, and they are asking provocative questions. Why are you bringing this to me? What are your thoughts about this? What are your fears about taking this responsibility and making this decision? I remember years ago when I was working in a corporate setting and I had a person in marketing that was recommending various colors for a brochure that we were going to come out with. And after going through all the recommendations, I said to him, well, what do you think we should do? He couldn't answer me. He wouldn't answer me. I kept saying to him, I want to know what you think because we're going to do what you think. The answer was not forthcoming. And needless to say, over time, that person proved to be a person not capable of working in the type of culture that I was trying to create. Third question, are you primarily responsible for growing your business or for growing your people? And let me define growth here. Most people in business, when I talk about growth, think about increased revenue, increased profit, getting larger, promotions, people moving up the hierarchy. That's not what we mean by growth. In today's world, growth means relating to same things differently. Growth means relating to same people differently. Growth means becoming more influential. So, are you focused on growing your business and as a byproduct your people grow? Are you focused on growing your people and as a byproduct your business grows? My experience tells me that if you're focused on business and growing the business and your people become a byproduct, you will experience low morale, retention issues, quality issues, high turnover, and your business will struggle. Conversely, if you focus on growing your people, remember the definition, relating to same situations differently, relating to same people differently, becoming more influential, what you will be doing is creating an environment of independent knowledge workers working interdependently. And think about how exponentially that's going to impact your bottom line. Next question. Do you do most of the talking in your meetings, or do you mostly listen and ask questions? My experience is that when I sit in on most business meetings, the person in charge spends most of the time talking. My question for them after the meeting is, so what did you learn about your people here today? Oh, Jim, th that wasn't the purpose of the meeting. purpose of the meeting was to exchange some information and for me to let them know what was going on. 
And my response to that is, you called a meeting for that? Why wouldn't you, when you have your people together, set up meetings such that you can observe them working? You can observe them exchanging information. You can observe them taking and receiving feedback. You can observe them giving feedback. You can observe them struggling. Why wouldn't you set up meetings to do that? So again, back to Sarah, what we're doing is focusing on people as opposed to work. So if your meetings have you doing most of the talking, I want you to think about how effective is the meeting, how are your people feeling when they leave the meeting, and were you able to accomplish the intent of the meeting? Next question. Why would a high-growth person want to come to work for you? I asked one of my clients this many years ago, and his answer was, because they can make a lot of money. And my response was, they can probably make a lot of money wherever they work. Why else would they want to work for you? And he was stuck. What I'm talking about here is if you're an effective leader and you're focused on people, you need to have an employee value proposition that clearly states the opportunities and possibilities of a person working for you, feeling valued and fulfilling their potential. And while I'm mentioning the employee value proposition, what about your client or your customer value proposition? Why would someone be doing business with your firm or with you as opposed to someone else? And please don't tell me because of our service. Everyone tells me the reason people do business with us is because of our service. And since everyone tells me that, my response is, everyone says that, so it's not a differentiator. How is your service different than your competitors? How do you set up expectations? How do you establish relationships with clients and customers so there's truly an exchange of value? And while I'm on that subject, why would people work for your business if, in fact, your business has no direction, is not, in essence, destined to become something more than it is, and so they can be, become part of something that's bigger than them and the group itself. These questions are questions that just touch on the surface of this. And as I'm asking you this, I've just gotten an email asking me to explain the difference between focusing on people and focusing on things and telling me that as a business owner, they cannot afford to lose sight of the measurements and the results and the outcomes of the work of the business. My response to that is, when we're talking about focusing on people, we aren't suggesting that you don't pay attention to the results. What we're suggesting is the people that are working for you will be focused on those things, and they're going to be held responsible and accountable 
for delivering the results that are expected and planned for the business. That's the idea of working with people. We are not suggesting that as a business owner or as an executive of of a company that you stick your head in the sand and not pay attention to that. Which leads me to another example of what I'm talking about. I was working with the CFO of a public company a number of years ago, and he had um, a region that was open over in Europe, and he had two very successful regional presidents in other territories wanting to take that region as part of their responsibility. And he said to me, I don't... I, I don't know which person I should go with. And I said, well, why don't you find out why they want the territory? And he kind of looked at me like, what are you talking about? And I said, I'm serious. Why don't you find out why they want that territory? And he said, well, Jim, it's obvious. And I said, is it? I said, here are the two extremes. One of those people could be wanting that territory So they would have more power, more ego recognition, more control, and more income. The other extreme could be they want that territory so that they can make a larger impact, influence more people, become more impactful, and contribute more to the success of the organization. And I said to him, do you know what the motives are of these two men? He said, I, truthfully, I don't. I said, well, then how do, you, how do you evaluate them? And he said, the numbers. They always bring in the numbers. And I said, so what you're really telling me is that you have people running territories in your organization that are delivering numbers that quite possibly over a period of time could be systematically putting that division or that region out of business. And he said, Jim, I've never thought of it like that. So the idea here is focusing on people, getting into the beliefs, which ultimately lead to the behaviors, and actually then develop the relationships is critically important for you as a leader and as someone wanting to grow and, and become more impactful and influential in your organization. Now, I've got another email here. Let me take a look at this real quick. And thank you very much. This one is from David. And David's asking me to go back to Sarah. He says to me, Jim, I still don't understand why someone like Sarah would not be considered to be succeeding and well on her way to becoming a partner in the organization. He goes on to say that typically his experience is that when people finally become partners, their workload decreases and they have the ability to spend less time working and more time with their personal life. I couldn't disagree more with that. I find that we are creatures of habit, and I find that people that define work 
buy time, will always put in a lot of time. I find that people that define work as measurements, outcomes, results, regardless of title, regardless of position, will always be of that mindset unless they have that epiphany where their beliefs, their thinking, and their behaviors start evolving and they see the workplace differently. Now, we're coming up on another break. I want to remind you that this is the Serve Hour, and you're in conversation on the Voice of America Business Channel with Jim Blackburn, that be me, and we're discussing the consequences of the leadership void in business and beyond. When we come back, I'll be sharing my thoughts on what to do when you're promoted or taking a job with a new company with leadership responsibilities. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Would you like to have a personal conversation with Jim Blackburn, the host of the Serve Hour? He's available and is interested in hearing from you. And what might you expect when you visit with Jim? These are some of the things that people are saying. Jim, over the course of an hour, taught me about self-awareness and my personal blind spots. This was a very simple concept that I probably have heard many times before, but never with the detail and the explanation of how it would impact my business and relationships. This started a 10-year relationship that I value tremendously. Jim helped me see the difference between multitasking things and multitasking people. Being fully present with other people creates immeasurable value in those relationships. If you or someone you know would benefit by having a conversation with Jim, he can be reached by email at jblackburn at servepartners.com. That's S-U-R-V-E partners.com. Or by phone at 919-969-2522. Jim will respond to you as soon as possible and looks forward to hearing from you. Conversations concerning money can be a bit daunting. There can be limitations with building wealth. And in general, people don't want to discuss their money until now. Listen each week for Conversations with Money, featuring Franco Caligiuri and Marissa Sipolinski. Our guests make money the conversation piece. How to build and maintain wealth, working with charities, and money and family members. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. This is the Serve Hour. We know you have something to say, so take part in our conversation today. Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to jblackburn at servepartners.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to our conversation. You are listening to the Voice America Business Channel and the Serve Hour. I'm Jim Blackburn, and I'm discussing void of leadership in business. And what I would like to do in this segment is talk to you about when you're promoted 
or taking a job with a new company with leadership responsibilities, what do you do? Traditionally, what I've seen people do initially and what, I, what they tell me they do is they need to assess the situation. I couldn't disagree more with that. They say, Jim, I need to take time to get to know the people, find out what they think. I say no to that. I say the initial thing you need to do is to get to know your boss. And you need to remember this. For whatever reason, the pre- your predecessor left. If it was due to performance, dysfunction of the organization, etc., you need to be mindful of the fact that your new boss, who was the boss or the person in charge for your uh, predecessor was contributing to that dysfunction. So the more that you can learn about the person you're working for, why are they there? What are their motives? What are their expectations of you? How do they want to work with you? What I'm reminded of was many, many years ago when I was taking my first position as a general manager. I was in my late 30s. I was joining a new company. I didn't know what I didn't know. And I had a fellow that I was working for by the name of Doug Moore. And I can still picture the first evening when I was sitting with him at dinner at a restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. And we had had a couple of cocktails. And Doug looks over at me and he says, Jim, let me tell you about how I manage." He said, I'm really a hands-off guy. You're not going to hear a lot from me. I'm not going to be micromanaging you. And I hope you do well. And then he looked me right in the eye, and he said to me, because if you don't, I'm going to fire you. Now, for me, at that moment, my heart dropped to the pit of my stomach. But over time... I realized what a blessing it was that he gave me the freedom to take charge, to operate within a budget that I was given, and to make the decisions I needed to make to turn that organization around. So get to know the person that you are going to be working for. It is critically important. And when I say get to know them, I'm not talking about schmoozing with them. I'm talking about thoughts, beliefs, behaviors, relationships. We're back to focusing on people. All right, traditional thinking then says, all right, now that I know who I'm working for, what I need to do is assess the situation. I need to take time to get to know my people, find out what they're thinking. I couldn't disagree more. I find that people, and I've experienced this, will take the first 90 to 120 days of a new assignment traveling throughout the country or the world, meeting people, having dinner meetings, moving around, having discussions, et cetera, et cetera. And from my point of view, it's a total waste of time. What you need to realize is that your people need to know who you are and what you expect of them. 
So go back to what I call the value propositions, the purpose, the destination statement, the employee value proposition. And you say, well, Jim, slow down here a minute. What, what is purpose statement? Purpose is what, what is the relevance of your business? What, what is the key that people can use as a touchstone for your business? Let me give you an example. Helping people feel special. That was the purpose statement of a business that I was working with a number of years ago. What was the business? Gourmet food. Another purpose statement, restoring America's heritage. The business? Restoration Waterproofing Company. The owner of that business saw that what they were doing in restoring the ancient buildings here in North Carolina and the monuments here in North Carolina, as well as resurfacing parking decks, resurfacing bridge decks, et cetera, et cetera. The work became the purpose that attracted the kinds of people that they wanted to work for them. Destination statement. What is your successor going to inherit? Describe the business unit that you've just inherited. What are you going to create here? You're going to describe the people, the culture, the technology, the operations, the brand. What is it that they're going to inherit? Because that's what you're going to be recruiting toward. What about the employee value proposition? I can guarantee you, when you take a new position, everyone that's working for you is going to be suspicious they're going to be worried about what does this mean to me? What's going to happen to me? What's going to change? And the more you share where you're headed, what your core values are, and how you want to relate to people, the quicker you're going to turn that around. Now, let me take you back to that position where I was working for Doug Moore, who said, I'm hands off, I hope you do well, and if you don't, I'm going to fire you. I inherited a sales organization that was requiring me to terminate the largest producer or salesperson in the organization. I was inheriting an organization that was housed in 17,000 square feet, that had, a, had actually two saunas and two locker rooms. It was completely upside down relative to its productivity and the caliber of person working there. So what I did when I went in is immediately established the standard that needed to be met for someone to be housed in our facility. And the people laughed at me. They told me I was crazy. They said that I had so much space there that I could probably lease it out to another business and we wouldn't even know they're in there. Long story short, when I got there, there were 15 people. Within the first year, there were only two left. And my focus, again, was establishing the standards, the employee value proposition, 
putting in place the core values and creating that destination statement. Moving forward fast over the next three to five years, we became, if not the top, one of the top 10% in the U.S. vision of this international corporation with new people living the values and the standards that we put in. Number three, traditional thinking. Create a strategy, tactical plan, objectives. I say no to that. What you want to do is identify the critical functions and create responsibility statements that clearly identify the type of person that you need to have in that function. If they're already in the organization, great. If not, you need to recruit them. One of the things I did when I took over the sales organization because of my focus on the people in developing the sales organization was I needed to bring in a finance operational mindset and created a position for that person that didn't exist. When I hired the person and put him in there, I was immediately confronted by management in corporate as to what, we, what are you doing, where are you going to get the money to pay for this person, and we don't have a position like that in our structure. And I reminded corporate, i.e. Doug Moore, that I was responsible and that I would pay for this individual by the money he would say, help me save with all the waste that was currently occurring, and he would allow me to focus on the things that I felt I needed to do, which was to recruit and build the organization. So I would say you really need, before you go to strategy, tactical plan, and objectives, to identify the critical functions that drive your business and get the right people in those roles with the statements of responsibility that will give them the clarity of what needs to be done for them to succeed. And to repeat what I said earlier in our broadcast, a responsibility statement begins with, I am responsible for creating blank that contributes to blank by providing blank. So, for instance, my finance administrative person had a responsibility statement that said, I am responsible for creating state-of-the-art back office operation and finance operation that contributes to the mission of the organization by providing, and he listed his various duties, oversight, experience, insight, expertise, etc. Traditional thinking. After we get these responsibility statements, after the people get to know you, who you are, after you've gotten to know who you're working for, what we want to do now is start working with all the people to help them succeed. No. <laughs> no, we don't. What we want to do at this point is identify who the supporter participants are, who the observer critics are, and who all others are. And let me explain what I mean by these terms. When you're creating a destination statement, 
and you're recruiting people to become part of the organization, a supporter participant is a person who steps up and says, I want to be part of that, and I can contribute to making that a reality. Typically, if you take over an organization of 100 people, 10%, I'm sorry, 20% will be supported participants. So typically, it would be about 20 people. If you have an organization of 20 people that you're taking over, typically 20%, you'll have four people that will say, sign me up, I'm on board, when we get started, let me have it. Conversely, the observer critics are people that in essence are saying, over my dead body. Change, I'm against, I'm not going to let this happen, and I'm going to do everything I can to maintain status quo. Again, typically 20% of your workforce. All others are the remaining 60%. What you want to do here is spend your time with the supporter participants, re-recruit the observer or the all others, and put the observer critics in what we call quarantine or put them on notice. Chris King mentioned that in our second episode as to how he was running the athletic department out at the University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley. Finally, traditional thinking, be careful of this. Urgent, non-important activities creep into your schedule. I'm going to say absolutely no to that. You need to continue recruiting all others and begin recruiting new supporter participants and repeat one through four. We're coming up on our close. I, you know, as I think back, and I've done all the talking in, on this episode, and truthfully, I'm uncomfortable with that. Hopefully, though, it's made some sense and that you can better understand the issue around the void of leadership. The takeaways that I'd like for you to have today are what we're talking about, and many people refer to this as soft, feely, fuzzy stuff. It's not. When we discuss leadership, it's hard, it's about pain, and it's crystal clear about gaining responsibilities and pointing direction and giving direction to people. Who is a leader? They know who they are and why they're doing what they're doing. They define success as delayed gratification, contribution, growth, collaboration, inclusion versus immediate gratification, consumption, comfort, and independence. They're able to notice what holds people captive to the past while seeing what needs to be seen for a future of endless possibilities. And they're able to discern who's right for the culture and who's not a good fit, and they can act on it. I hope that you've picked up some information here in this broadcast that's helpful. Again, feel free to contact me by email or by phone. I will be back next week. Our next broadcast will be Wednesday, July 15th, 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. And our topic of conversation, 
the double-edged sword called success. It has been a pleasure visiting with you over the past hour, and I want to thank you for sharing part of your day with me. This has been the Serve Hour, and I'm Jim Blackburn. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to the Serve Hours Provocative Conversation. Please rejoin your host, Jim Blackburn, during the Serve Hour each Wednesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.